You are now in tune to a 726 studio production. <laughs> yeah, let me stop my shit. Yo, what's up? Welcome back to Planet Josh. This is now episode number two. And today we'll be talking about mental health. My goal for this episode is to put a spotlight on mental health, you know, get the conversation going. I will do so by giving a brief introduction into it. I mean, I'm no expert, so yeah. And also, I want to talk about the way society looks at it. And furthermore, I want to talk about the ways we cope with different mental battles. So first off, let's talk about health. So our overall health is broken down into two different categories, physical health and, of course, mental health. On the physical health side of things, that can be seen as the upkeep of our body, both inside and outside, the way we are able to complete our daily tasks. Whereas on a mental side of it, it is concerned with our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. It is simply the way we think, feel, and act in different situations. So for someone to be truly healthy, both of these categories of health must be functioning at the right level and when it comes to functioning they do have some roadblocks from time to time these problems that come up these problems do tend to vary in terms of how severe they are and also how long they last depending on different circumstances much like any problem we face in life we usually want to find a way to fix it and when it comes to fixing it that is where both mental and physical health go down different roads. For our physical health, I guess we can consider the road to fixing these problems to be, you know, a smoothly paved one. Because more often than not, we try to find a way to fix it. You know, whether it's going to a doctor or trying home remedies. Whereas for mental health, the road is filled with a lot of holes, almost unpassable for some. We tend to just, you know, leave it as it is. Don't worry about health. I don't think most people even consider them to be problems to begin with. And that is where the real problem is. So I, for one, I've been going to school for many years on different levels. And I'll be honest, we rarely learn stuff that is relevant in life. They teach us so many pointless stuff that we only use while we're in the classroom. The moment we step out, it's like we just throw it all away. Okay, so from primary school, you know, they teach us a lot of different science stuff. And in these classes, I've learned about flora and fauna, or in simpler terms, you know, animals and plants. And then I've also learned about the human body, the makeup of the body, you know, the body parts and those different things, biological stuff. And then fast forward to high school, I had PE class, physical education. And in that class, you know, it's more than just sports. Of course, you learn about different physical activities, but you also learn how to deal with different injuries. So the question is, why do we have a physical education class and not a mental education class? You know, it's, it's crazy. So as a result of learning so much about the physical side of things, we tend to look at it as, you know, physical health is all that matters because like, well, we don't even know about mental health, so how can we even make it matter to us when we don't know about it? And 
because of that, society has adapted this behavior of openly belittling or disregarding mental health. You know, you'll hear phrases such as, you're overreacting, you're soft, stop making excuses, you know, just different comments that they pass when someone brings up mental health. And I know most of us have heard these before in regards to ourselves or hear them telling someone else it. I won't, I won't lie. I have been guilty of doing this in the past because, well, that's what society has taught us to do. That's the way we look at it. And this is where I want to get into generational curses. Whenever we hear the term generational curse, we usually think about, you know, money, poverty, and wanting to break that unfortunate financial situation. But I want to look at, you know, the ignorance that people have towards mental health as another generational curse that we are burdened with the task of breaking. So the phrases I mentioned earlier are more often than not thrown at us from our parents or guardians, you know, the, the adults in our lives. To no fault of theirs because, well, that has just been the norm for them. They grew up in a time where they were supposed to be tough, you know, suck it up. And then they take that same approach that their parents had with them and they implement it towards us. And then, you know... It's a cycle. It's, it seems endless at some point. For, like for me, when I look at it and the way they were brought up, sure, certain circumstances just weren't easy for them and supposedly being tough was what they had to do. And now they look at our lives sometimes and they look at it like, but you guys have it way better than what I had back then. But what they fail to realize is that everyone is different. Not everyone takes the same problems the same ways. What might seem like a burden for you isn't much for someone else, but that doesn't discount the fact that it's actually a problem for you. So it's, if it isn't hard as it is for people dealing with mental health issues, I would sometimes say it's harder as a male. You know, this isn't comparing, you know, who has it harder but it's more like looking at it as who society treats more harshly when in these situations. Like I said, you know, our parents grew up tough. And more often than not, it was more than likely forced on the males to have this strong appearance. And through this strong appearance, we tend to neglect our emotional side. We, we label it as, you know, it's something only for the females. You know, only a girl is supposed to be crying. Boys don't cry. That's what they tell the little kids growing up. And when you're older, for sure, a man is not supposed to cry. And through that process, we develop what my friend and I had discussed a couple of days ago, you know, toxic masculinity, because based on their standards, we're not supposed to be bothered by stuff. And as a result, we turn out to be emotionless shells. For me... It has, it has been hard. I won't lie. Like growing up, you know, as a kid, you're going to cry for little things, but that's whatever. When you get older, you have this idea that, you know, I'm not supposed to cry or nothing. And then you bottle it all up. And that's where a lot of different explosions come from people because of all the pent up emotions. But at the end of the day, I realized I don't care what people say. Because I am the only one who feels what I'm going through. And being tough just for their sake, you know, just to let them see me be tough, 
it's stupid it does me more bad than good and it doesn't really affect their lives anyways and you know to put it in blunt terms i stopped giving a fuck about what they think okay so one of the ways that we deal with these problems is by that of therapy so take me for example i was never someone that would be into the idea of visiting a therapist but you see those are things that we say until we are put into these different situations So back in 2019, my dad passed away towards the end of my summer break. And when it happened, everything didn't really sink in. So, you know, life was just going as per normal up until the day after the funeral, which was, you know, a week after his passing. I really started to like have some moments of grief, but it didn't last for too long because I had to leave Belize to head back to Taiwan. On my way back to Taiwan, I spent a couple days in the States. My first stop was at Houston, where my cousin and her husband took me to many different places. You know, I had a good time. And also, I headed over to the Bay Area. And while I was there, I got the chance to go out with some of my cousins from my dad's side. So during those days I was in the States, I was pretty much occupied and I wasn't really thinking that much of, you know, life. I get back to Taiwan and I meet up with my big bro and we just head out to get food and drinks. So while we're having one of the drinks, we cheers. And the next thing you know, he was like, rest in peace to your pups. And a part of me was like, damn, I felt something in a moment. So furthermore, as time passes by, I'm watching a show that I like called All American. And in one of the episodes, the guy's dad passes away. And the situation felt all way too similar for me. And I broke down. But at that point, I'm just looking at it like, you know, oh, this will go away with time. Fast forward to around November, I'm in my bed and something comes up like an entirely fully tense situation and I suddenly start having these trembling feelings and for me, being someone that grew up having epilepsy, I was just there like, what the fuck is going on? And I, cause I thought, you know, the whole epileptic feeling and stuff went away a long time ago, which in it has, but then just this little moment was like, what? Only to look back at it to realize, you know, I was having a panic attack. And then that's when I decided, you know what, this is enough. I got to find a way to deal with this. To this day, I'm not even sure how I even remembered that the school had a counselor. Like when we were freshmen back in 2018, the counselor introduced herself, but that did not come back to me in that moment for sure. But nonetheless, I ended up seeing the counselor. Usually when we talk about handling these mental situations... One of the first things that pops up, like I said earlier, is therapy. And, you know, it's a professional that you're going to be talking to. Therapy, just like mental health, gets its fair share of criticism. Once again, it comes from the people who don't know anything about the topic. We might just look at it as, you know, we're talking to someone, but actually we're talking to someone that doesn't know us. So whatever feedback they give us, it is clear of biases. They're just giving objective feedback because they don't have a relationship with us prior to us scheduling this meeting with them. So let me tell you about my experience at the counselor. So the first time I went there, it wasn't an easy thing to do because like, you know, I just said, it's a stranger we're talking to and you don't feel that comfort talking to them just as yet. But After a while, you adapt to it, and I certainly think it's something that you should look into. When you start going, after time, it 
starts becoming something to look forward to to your next meeting over and over like it's something on your calendar like okay next week this day i have to go to a counselor and it's a positive for you the only downside to this is that not everyone has a chance to go to a school counselor when they are in these moments like let's take adults per se they would probably have to go to visit and a therapist and pay so, you know, the fees are usually the lowest. So that's why it's not an option that people take more often than not. And so since we're already on the topic of talking to people, let's talk about other people we talk to. Sometimes we talk to our own friends and family. And so talking to them comes very easy because, I mean, we do it on a daily basis for most. If not daily, we do it regularly and we know these people, so it's smooth. But... As good as this is, I think it also has its own downside. To me, it's that when our friends and family give us feedback, sometimes what they say is going to be influenced by the fact that they have a relationship with us. So it's not going to be, you know, straight to the point like that of a therapist. Another thing is that it's hard for these friends to be there for us all the time. And with that, sometimes we unknowingly place pressure on them to be there for us. Like, I've been in that situation where... I've wanted someone to be available for me to talk to and they weren't because, well, they had their own schedules and because I just felt like, oh, you just can't be there for me in this moment. It made me feel even worse than I was already feeling. And at the same time, you know, it's draining for that friend to force them to have to be there for you. But I still think it's a good route to take because, you know, you still got to be there for your friends and family and you still should reach out to them, but just don't make it feel like it's a must. So besides those two, I would say something that gives me great relief is that I would go for walks. But these walks aren't just only walks. More often than not, I decide to go for dinner or I would go and get a snack or something simple as, let's just say, bubble tea. Then I head over to a park and I just sit by myself and I take in everything. I take in everything that's surrounding me. So many times we pass these areas and we see them every day, but... We're just passing by and we're not really focused on it. You know, you don't know how many birds might be in a tree or how many leaves is on the tree. What color are the leaves, the different shades, that type of stuff. So, you know, you just take in everything and I would tend to just disconnect from the world. I would turn my phone on to airplane mode. And the only thing that's happening on my phone is probably music. You know, I think that being comfortable with yourself is a great feeling and it's something that we should all aim for. Now, let me just introduce you guys into something I've done once and it actually happened before I really activated this awareness of mental health, right? So in the same 2019, all of this happened before my dad passed away. This was early in the summer when I was just going home. So I was in the Bay for two weeks at my family and on my last day, my cousin was like, Let's do something because he's always busy. So we decided to go and do something. So he took me to this place where there's a pod. It's basically sensory deprivation. And in this pod, it's water. And it's filled with Epsom salt at the bottom, if I'm not mistaken. So it allows you to float. And I mean, if they didn't have that, I wouldn't be able to float because um, I just sink. I can't even swim or float, but that's not important right now. So you get into this pod more often than not, nude, fully nude, or some people just leave on maybe underwear, but more, more often than not, it's nude. So you get in there and 
you close the pot on yourself and it's just dark. You're just floating on water in darkness. And for some people, it allows them to think, you know, they come up with different ideas while in there. But for me, being an overthinker, when I got into the pod, for some reason, my mind just went blank. I was just there floating and not thinking about anything. I'm like, a part of me was like, did I just waste my time coming here? But at the same time, when I look at it, I felt relieved in the end because, like I said, I overthink and having that time period where I didn't think at all was a huge relief. So my mind was relaxed and I was at ease. So that's another thing to look into wherever it's available. So I dropped a question on IG to see what other methods of coping people use when they're facing these mental battles. And so some of them would be one one person said media overload, you know, just watching a lot of different videos and just taking themselves out of all these problems. I'm not saying you avoid your problems, but giving yourself a little break sometimes is needed. Another person would rewatch and reread stuff, you know, giving yourself that nostalgic vibe. I tend to do that myself at times too, because, you know, you're not trying to forget what's going on right now, but at the same time, it's a reminder that there are good days in your life. Not everything is bad. If you had those good days at once, you can possibly have them once again. So just having that nostalgic vibe, it, it it's calming, it's soothing. Some people, another one says they cry and rant to friends and family. And honestly, I would say that crying on a whole is good. Sometimes you just got to let out what you're feeling. So many different people said their different methods, you know, and it's a lot for me to just go and list all of them. But it just shows that when you're coping with these battles, there's not a clear cut way to deal with it. Short therapy is good, but it's not the only way. Short going for a walk might work for some, but it might not work for all. So you just got to find what works for you. Maybe it's reading books, maybe it's journalizing, you know, expressing yourself what you're going through, just be able to write it out. For some, praying and, you know, having that support group is a big boost for them. You know, at the end of the day, it's just whatever works for you. Treat yourself, go to us, have a spa day, just at home, whatever it may be, just make yourself feel relaxed. So before I wrap up, I just wanted to let you guys know what it was like making this episode. It's crazy that the episode that I decided to talk about mental health is the one that was very mentally draining. Like, even though I had my points across that I wanted to talk about, it wasn't really going the way I planned it to go or I wanted it to go. Everything felt rough. It wasn't as smooth as I wanted it to be. And I started and I stopped so many times. I did a rough recording and I redid it. And, like... It was till eh. I didn't even look back at it because I just knew it was bad. But I wanted to just be like, you know, I'll just do better on the next episode. But a part of me was like, I think mental health is important. And I really want to make the message seem clear and concise. So it doesn't hurt to just redo this. And well, I redid it and here we are. Nonetheless, it's an important topic. So it, it deserves the time. And if you're still listening to this point, you know, I appreciate you for getting as far as you got. And with that said, that's all for today. Look out for episode three coming next week. Peace.